getting to extra. That's what we're going to be looking at the next few weeks. How do you get to extra? Last night, out front of uh, our home, I saw a dad that kind of went over and above. He had an extra large uh, teenage mutant ninja uh, outfit on, and uh, he uh, was kind of in a frenzy. He was pulling a wagon with uh, his two girls, one age three, one age six. I think one was Wonder Woman, and one may have been uh, Maleficent. Or Maleficent. And uh, I just said, because I'm envious of parents who have young kids, I just said, that looks like fun. And he said, it's not. <laughs> he said, nope, I, I'm struggling to get through this. I was like, really? Yeah, it's not that much fun. I was like, hey, happy Halloween, trick or treat. Really, does that, does his comment not summarize October? It's like a month that should be seven weeks long. You've got homecoming dances and soccer, football, uh, volleyball uh, games. You've got uh, trying to get in a family schedule again, get back to the dentist again, trying to get make certain your kids are on track academically, learning to look up their GPA and uh, all that stuff all in one month. A big frenzy, plus you've got important things like, you know, the World Series, go Royals, you've got... The NFL, you got fantasy football, you got the NBA, you got a lot happening, and you just can't wait to get through till daylight savings. Isn't this great? And it's raining outside. How fun is that in Natomas? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, Mike, the question I want to answer this week is how do you get to the point where you, you've got a little extra, where you don't have to say, hey, no, this isn't very fun? How do you get, how do you, ensure that as you go through this life that you've got a little margin, you've got a little extra. And when I talk about extra, I'm, I'm really describing the amount that is available beyond what is necessary. For example, if I have to be at a coffee uh, and it's 20 minutes away um, and I decide to leave 30 minutes before that coffee appointment, I've given myself 10 minutes extra. If I have 80 uh, dollars worth of bills and a hundred dollars uh, to pay those bills. I've given myself twenty dollars of extra. But what I just think is so true about human nature, as Greg Crochelle says, the author of this series, the, is that instead of staying at eighty dollars or instead of staying at you know giving my giving myself ten minutes of margin, I tend to pack it all in. In fact, I'll say, no, let's leave it 15 till I know a fast route, um, and then we can, we can, you know, drop off and get a little burger because, uh, you know, we, we'll have the time. Or I'll say, no, we have $20 of margin. No, let's spend a little bit more. I want the adrenaline rush of things being tight and challenging, right? And it just gets more stressful. How do we ensure that we're not always tapped out, that we're not always stressed, and that we make... Uh, the choice to do what's best and, and, and will not be taken from us instead of getting stuck with what's just good and stressful and busy and not as meaningful. That's what I want to answer today. Uh, how, do we, how do we do this? And I think the key principle that uh, I'm not going to be talking about all month, but it's this idea of being abnormal, making a decision to be abnormal, <laughs> to do something different. Uh, Jesus gives us great permission to do this. He spoke through his co-worker and said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed 
Christ followers have the obligation to be uh, loving, to be great citizens, to be great neighbors, to be great employees, to be great employers. But we also have the obligation and the freedom to choose to live abnormally. We don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Um, we can make changes that make life more pleasant. And I think, uh, I think you'll see today that this change, this challenge I'm going to give you at the end of the message, it's going to make a difference. If you buy into it, it's going to help a- answer this question. How do we get to extra? How do we get to extra? And uh, I want to begin by reading from a a co-worker of Jesus, Luke, who was a physician. He was a detail guy. He worked with, actually with uh, Paul. And uh, he, he collected all the narratives and stories that came from uh, Jesus' co-workers. And he captured one story where a gal makes an abnormal decision. I want you to see it because I think her choice and Jesus' response to her choice is the answer to how we have more margin, more extra in our lives so that we make the right decision. I got to tell you, this happened to me yesterday. Uh, Melissa said, uh, she goes, uh, hey, I know what will make a perfect day today. And I was like, really? And I had a list of about 10 things that I wanted to do, about 10. I wanted to get new tires on the car, wanted to uh, have a conversation with one of my sons, Uh, big long list of stuff, eight or 10. And she said, I know what will make a perfect day today. And I was like, what? She said, let's go garage sale shopping. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but I had done what I'm going to challenge you to do today. And so I was ready. I was like, well, garage sale shopping isn't as exciting as I like on a Saturday. But I get to be with her. And that's fun. So I'm in. Let's go. And we spent, I think, a dollar. It was in the budget. <laughs> and had a great time together. I had the, what I consider the wisdom to make the best decision. And that's what today's all about. Making the best decision. How do you position yourself to be able to do that? If you have a Bible, open it, if you would, to Luke chapter 10. If you came without a Bible, raise your hand. I want you to be able to follow me and make certain that what I'm teaching you is what Jesus had written by, uh, by Luke here. And if I could have the house lights up a little bit, I see a hand back there asking for a Bible. Have the house lights up a little bit. I want everyone to be able to see what I'm going to read. Here's what Luke captured. Here's the, an abnormality, uh, a decision that someone makes that's counterintuitive, it's contrary, but it resulted in them getting to extra. And that's the key here, getting to extra. Here it is, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 and following. At As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, I guess you don't always want Jesus to repeat your name twice. Uh, The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. What did he say to her? You are worried and about many things, Uh, but only 
one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. You're worried about so much, and your sister has actually made the best decision. She's prioritized something that I'm not going to take from her. That must have been hard for Martha to hear. And you can imagine the stress. We're not talking about just hosting, you know, a, a, a cousin, a nephew from out of town. We're not talking about just hosting a, you know, a, a, an immediate family member or a neighbor. We're talking about hosting Rabbi Jesus. I mean, this guy is healing people as they just touch the fringe of his garment. It is said that he might be the Messiah. Some call him the Son of Man. He could be God's son. He's in your house today. You weren't ready for this. You did not get your your Sunset Magazine this month. You weren't prepared to host. You have no recipes. And he's in your home. What do you do? You freak out. And you try to get that house clean. You try to clean the baseboards as fast as you can. Get your sweeping done. Do the dishes. Make certain that there's good, you know, aromas throughout the house. You get your pumpkin spice candle going, a few flowers. You make certain that the bathroom is ready. And Mary is sitting here doing nothing. <laughs> how, does your, how does your mom, how does your wife convey the importance of you helping her get ready to host someone? You know, have you ever gotten that look? You take your time. Everyone takes their time when it's hospitality time, don't they? It's like, I'm going to go get some ice at Rayleigh's. I'll be back in a couple hours. Or, or you know, I, I'm, I've got I've to go meet with a friend. He's going to cut my hair. I'll be back. All of a sudden, everyone gets kind of scatters. You can imagine the tension Martha's feeling. Jesus doesn't come alone. He's got his 12 disciples. He's got a group of women that Luke alone describes as having financially supporting Jesus' ministry. Uh, He's got crowds that are following him. Uh, I don't know how many scholars say sometimes a hundred thousand people followed him uh, during some of the festivals. But let's just say there's a hundred, okay? Or Martha's home looks a little bit like your neighborhood last night, you know, there's 50 to 100 to 500 people, right? Depending upon where you live. There were 500 people where I live. They're just there. And Martha's doing what most of us would do. She's freaking out. <laughs> and Mary is just seated at the feet of Jesus. Now this, the literal feet of Jesus, it was typical for a host to clean the feet of her guests. So he was no doubt seated there. And here she is with an opportunity of a lifetime to hear from Jesus, to hear from him. Opportunity of a lifetime to sit down face to face with someone who didn't have a, as, as he was prophesied, he didn't have a royal look. He wasn't, you know, he didn't have the GQ look. He just was a simple man uh, who was shorter by most uh, scholars. Um, and yet, when you looked him in the eyes, you saw something you've never seen before in your life. <laughs> and Mary caught this. And Jesus said, I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that away from her. And think about it. He's speaking to Martha as he's seated right in front of Mary. Mary chose what was best. She chose the very best thing to hear from Jesus. How do we get to extra? How do we get to extra? We get to extra by being still with Jesus. 
How do we get some, some extra faith? How do we get some extra hope? How do we get some extra love? By being still. By taking some time not to work harder, by taking some time not to be busier, by taking some time not to get more work done, but to be still. And to kind of surrender and <laughs> don't produce, just chill. And take all the good things that could be done around the house or could be done at work or all the good things that could be done, you know, for the church even, and be still. <laughs> um, just to be still. And, and get, let someone else love you. <laughs> let Jesus love you. And when you do that, it gives you fuel. <laughs> it gives you energy. On Friday, I was, uh, I was planning on just relaxing. It's my day off. Home all by myself, got up, thought I'm just going to chill today. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm going to relax. Had a little downtime. I practiced what I am going to challenge you to do today, and I got inspired. All of a sudden, I'm like, no, there's, there's an urgent matter I need to work on. I got, and I, I went at it not with, uh, with um, any um, reluctance or any um, stress. I just felt compelled to do it. That's, what, that's the spirit leading you. And sometimes... Taking a moment to really chill will give you the fuel you need to do what you need to do. Maybe it's to go run. Maybe it's to, uh, to get to uh, yoga or to work on a project that's, and to do what's most important. That's what the Spirit does. And there's a few results in, in, really, uh, in being still with God. The first is that being still with God is going to relieve some of your stress. It's going to relieve some of your stress. <laughs> Being still with him. It's going to lower your stress. Things are going to get a little lighter because you've chosen to be with him. I'm thinking about it. Martha's stressing out in the kitchen, and Mary, she could not be enjoying life a bit more. She's getting to just hear the very words of God. They're filling her soul. I was reading this morning those great words that uh, Jesus' co-worker, presumably Paul, wrote in Hebrews chapter 4. That when Jesus speaks, they're the words of God. They're sharper than any double-edged sword. Piercing as deep as bone and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. When you are still, you get to hear from Jesus, and he tells you what you need to hear. He speaks right here. And you can hear from him and get inspired and know what you're supposed to be doing. And Jesus himself, Paul himself, who was an incredibly uh, prolific worker, would say, be anxious for nothing. He's writing from a prison cell. (laughs) But in all things, let your prayers and supplications be made known to God, and the peace of God, the irony of God, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's as if God wants us to be willing soldiers and workers in his harvest, but at the same time, to be able to chill. And we get that because we're willing to be still. (laughs) You can chill if you're willing to be still. I'm a rapper, and I did not know it. (laughs) Totally self-deprecating. By being still, it's going to lower your stress. The other key, by being still, it's going to raise your relational moment experience. You're going to see what's going on around you with good eyes, with good discernment. You're going to be sensitive to what's happening in the lives of others. 
just a couple weeks ago, and my son Grant gave me permission to share this story. He's 18 years old. He's in his bedroom. He's on GarageBand. He's doing a recording for a wedding that he did yesterday. And he said, Dad, do you want to come hear my recording? I'm like, sure. So I walk into his bedroom, and I'm waiting for him to push play. And it's not happening. And I don't know, two or three minutes passed. And for some reason, I felt like that's all the time he, he deserved. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm kind of busy. Are we, is this going to happen? And I said, hey, yell at me when, you have the, when you're ready, when you've got the video. So I went to the kitchen to do what was probably more important. <laughs> like what? On a Saturday than having a couple minutes with your son who invites you into his room to hear a recording. And I go into the room, and I think I was working on a life insurance reduction application. I mean, it was like stupid, but I, I couldn't rest. I couldn't just be still. So I felt bad. I came back in. I said, hey, Grant, sorry about that. <laughs> I want to hear this. He said, okay. So I laid down on the bed next to him, and he's like, okay, Dad. But he started picking up the pace a little bit. He could tell I was getting real comfortable in his room. <laughs> and, and he got this out, and I got to listen to the recording. You know what happens if you've, if you've been able to be still in the face of all of your stresses? You're going to be more relationally sensitive to what's happening around you. I mean, if Jesus, the Messiah, is in your presence, or he brings someone to you that needs you, that needs you to, to bring hope to them, to be a hope bringer, to fulfill the mission of our church, bringing Jesus' hope to an imperfect world, you've got to have had some still time, some quiet water time, some some green pasture time, so that you're going to sense your opportunity to bring hope to someone that's right by you or that waves you down at a parking lot or gets your attention downtown. You've got to have had some be still time so that you can bring hope. And you're going to be able to bring hope because you are more relationally sensitive to the moments that are around you. This idea of being still, it's, it's language that comes from, from the Gospels. Think about this passage in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says something that I think in October really resonates. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest for your souls. Rest? You'll find rest for your souls? Do we not need that? I mean, do we not need rest? If anyone's asleep right now, enjoy. <laughs> really. He says, uh, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. A yoke is, of course, an agricultural term. Two ox would pull a yoke together. Jesus says, fasten onto me because, and learn from me. Because I'm gentle and humble in heart. <laughs> and you're going to find, he says it again, rest for your souls. And I'm not saying, you might be saying, okay, wait a second. Are you, are you encouraging us to just, you know, call in sick tomorrow? No, no. I, I've, I've read about two people that I know that have lots of responsibility. Several people I know that have lots. Uh, I remember reading, uh, I remember hearing about Pat Gelsinger. He's associated with William Jessup University, Christian church guy, associated with our churches. He's former director of Intel, busy guy, involved in the Pentium chip team, and a devoted Christian. Son went to William Jessup. One of my friends who knows him said, 
Yeah, he's up every morning, prays for an hour before he does anything. On his face. <laughs> How does he deal with all the pressure? He, he quiets himself. You get ready with that quiet space. How do you do that? Uh, I was reading another one of my favorite uh, leaders, Steve Sample, former USC president, argues that some of the most inspirational time he has is 20 minutes of just downtime before he does anything. I mean, this idea that, that it's not either, oh, you, 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 you do nothing or you work, you know, 24-7. It's, no, you, you have a moment where you rest and you, you sit before the feet of Jesus and you just let him speak to you. That's going to be the challenge this weekend. And yet there's a lot of threats because there's a lot of choices we have. One of the reasons we don't stop is because we don't trust God <laughs> that we can stop. This was a big challenge for Melissa, my wife's uh, grandfather, farmer, rice farmer in Arkansas. Used to, his family did not want to stop during harvest on Sundays, and he refused. He said, I'm, I'm taking the day off. <laughs> That's what I do. He's the oldest of five brothers. He said, I'm taking the day off, and they, they had a real problem with him. And eventually, actually squeezed him out of the whole family inheritance because of his commitment to putting the Lord first. And I got to tell you, just recently, we've been so encouraged. Uh, his youngest son uh, rebooted a company from the ground up called Faith Electronics. You can Google this company. He rebooted them from the ground up in Wisconsin, and the company sold for tons after about 20 years. And he went back and bought land that his grandfather had removed from the inheritance, that his grandfather actually lost because of his decision to put the Lord first on Sundays. God wants us to put him first. We need it, and he'll provide for us when we do. One of the reasons we don't have downtime is because not only do we not trust God, but we have idols. We have other things that we go to to give us rest. Some of them are, I mean, this, this sounds... Uh, like I'm exaggerating, but sometimes we go to rest just because the TV. <laughs> we think sometimes more news will give us rest. <laughs> wow. <laughs> more more uh, Netflix will give us rest. Uh, more video games will give us rest. More Facebook will give us rest. More Instagram, more Snap. Uh, chat will give us rest. More texting will give us rest. I don't think so. More email will give us rest. No. Now we need to just set it all aside, especially our, our culture. You can get so much done in a 24-hour period, which is kind of scary. We need to have time where we just rest. And one of the reasons we don't is those things that I just listed, they can be idols. Sports can be idols. I'll never forget when the, uh, when the coaches wanted to have a football game on a Sunday, when our kids were little mighty mites, little, little something football players, and I said, hey, you're going to the 9 o'clock service, and then we'll, we'll go to the game. I'll let you go to the game, but I'm going to tell your coach, hey, we're not doing Sundays, okay? The Lord is first on Sundays. We want God to be honored in our home. We love sports, but we don't love him more than God. He's first. As for me and my house, the Lord is first. We never had another game on a Sunday after that. I think sometimes you got to take a stand and just say, we're not doing that, Okay? If my kid's going to play FIFA or play in the MLB, you know, not playing at age eight isn't going to keep him from reaching that if he doesn't play on Sundays. 
And it's one of the reasons we don't make those contrary, counterculture, uh, uh, counterintuitive decisions is I think sometimes we've set up our kids' success and it's become an idol. And we want to put the Lord first, not, not those the temptations for idols. So here's the challenge this week. I want you to do what Mary did. I want you to do something that's counterintuitive and it's related to the number five. I want to challenge you this week to commit the first five minutes of your day. Not, not on this. Take it. Set it aside. Don't check your email. Go in. Sit down. Spend five minutes. And just ask Jesus to speak to you. Five minutes. Just ask him to speak to you. Lift your hands up. Get on your knees. Whatever. And I, I started it this week, my first attempt. I made it to three minutes and 51 seconds before I looked. Because <laughs> it's hard. It's harder than you think, just being quiet. It's easy to get up and read the Bible or journal and be busy, but to just do nothing? Are you serious? It's hard. Try it. That's the challenge this week, five minutes. And if you do it, this is what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to experience less stress. Doesn't that sound good? I think you're going to experience more relational presence. You're going to be where you're at. You're going to be here. You're going to be where you're at. You're going to know what's happening. You're going to, guys, you're going to see things gals see that you don't see. You know how sometimes your assistants or your coworkers, women, I think, have a better sense of what's happening around in people. You're going to get more sensitive relationally. And, uh, and you're going to be a hope bringer, a better hope bringer this week. Now, I wonder if you're here, you've never made a decision to accept the rest that Jesus Christ wants to give you. That rest comes from Christ by believing that what he suffered on that cross was a substitutionary death to pay all of your debts related to your moral shortcomings. All of them, past, present, and future. That is rest. Maybe you've never made a decision to make him the leader of your life. And when you do that, he fills you with his spirit, a spirit of peace and joy and love and kindness and gentleness and self-control that is designed to help make you more like Christ. If you've never made that decision to become a Christian, in a moment when we sing, I'm going to invite you to come forward. But others of you, I'm going to challenge you today to make a commitment to five minutes a day where you just listen and let the Lord, let the Lord minister to you. You don't work. You just listen. Then when you're done with those five, then you can open the scriptures or pray uh, or journal. There's huge value in that, but I want you to begin this week, beginning tomorrow through Saturday, six days of five minutes a day. We'll see how you do next week. And uh, we hope that you'll come back next week and you'll help us as we continue to talk about scheduling, scheduling rest, and really having more extra in your life. Let's pray. Let's go to Jesus right now. Heavenly Father, you sent your son Jesus to teach us your word to fully represent you. And he told us that that being still, being quiet, is at your feet. Being quiet at his feet and listening to your word was the best thing we could do. And it's hard. And we don't know where to start. We don't know where to start in the Bible. Do we start in Proverbs? Do we start in John or Mark or where? But I pray that you'll help us start this week. Just five minutes a day. 
not for our own, you know, success, but so that we can be the people we were designed to be. And I just want to ask you today, have you, do you need this kind of rest? (laughs) What is it you're doing that's good that needs to be replaced by what's best? How is it that you need to be abnormal and more in line with Jesus' teaching? How is it that God wants to see a rest? I pray that today you'll start trusting him, that you'll recognize idols in your life that give you false comfort, and that maybe today as a first-time decision, you'll make a decision to become a Christian and make Jesus the leader of your life. (laughs) Fill us, Lord Jesus. Speak your word to us. Speak to our hearts now.